0: Welcome to the Vampire Movie Minute, where we go through all of the best vampire movies five minutes at a time. I am Scott Danielson, and
1: Hi, joined I'm by Chris.
0: There we are, and today we are re- uh, continuing our coverage of 1979's Dracula, featuring Frank Langella as the titular Count. And we're coming in just as a dinner party as getting uh, getting started or continuing rather, and Dracula has already made his grand entrance. And now is about to uh quote unquote charm a number of at least one of the guests, so that's that's where we're kicking off for today.
1: Yes, we opened with it with uh Lucy orbita. I get these two confused because let's face it, both of them look very similar.
0: They look, uh, yeah,
1: they, uh, they, na- I
0: think they're supposed to be sisters. And unfortunately they look exact. they did it too well. Uh, <laughs> well, look- it's
1: not only that, it's not only that they're what, no, I don't think they're sisters. I think, I think they're, I, they're best I, friends. Um, They're not, it's not only the problem. They made the, the actresses too identical. The problem is they also switched up who is supposed to be who, because in the novel and almost every other version, Mina is Dracula's desire and not the first victim. And Mina is to be married to Jonathan Harker. Also, they didn't even do the whole plotline where Jonathan is away from the novel for half of it because of the fact that he's trapped in Dracula's castle. They just completely did away with that plotline. And Lucy yeah. is the one who's engaged to Jonathan Harker. There you go. So that's yeah. a big difference. And that, that can make it really confusing to differentiate between the two. yeah
0: and they've they've all kind of got the same hair and the same general costuming and i don't know like that's how partially i think part of why they all run together so it's not like they're visually distinctive either
1: right so mina is the one who gets uh hypnotized i believe and passes out and lucy dances with dracula and that picks up a lot of the minutes too by the way Uh, yeah that's
0: That's most of it. So, yeah, so Mina, like, basically, the Count has already made his uh, very grand entrance, and now is just trying to sit on a couch. And I don't, and what's interesting is that right after that, um, right after that, you know, they're just asking, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just want to, I want to go to London and see the Rush of Humanity. And then Mina has, like, a dizzy spell, and ends up on the couch. And I, I want to. I want to hear your opinion on this. It looks like he may have caused it. He may have caused this dizzy spell. I couldn't tell. Like it. Yes. It seemed, the camera seems to infer this.
1: Yes. Um. I think he did this with his hypnotic abilities. Um. You know. And then he wants to have like the discussion of buying uh Carfax Abbey with Jonathan Harker. But then he's whisked away to do the dance with Lucy, which is yeah. not so well with Jonathan, as we will come to learn, in a the next episode that we'll do, but yeah. the, the the they dance, they dance, they dance, they dance to John Williams music.
0: Yes, yeah, they dance the John Williams music, which is a very interesting use of John Williams
1: music. He's not known for subtlety in
0: his scores. No, um,
1: he's not at all. It's it's rather, it's rather different because I can't remember a John Williams score, and I have not seen every single movie John Williams has ever directed or sorry, ever composed the music for. But let's face it, he pretty much. Usually we'll stick to two specific directors, <laughs> George yes. Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Um, that doesn't mean he doesn't venture out in other places, but let's face it, yeah. he's very well tied to those two. Yeah. I mean, him, I'm you trying guys, to think of everything he's composed for, and I'm like, how much is romance? Now, you think about Home Alone, there's no romance in Home Alone. He did the music for Home Alone, which, by the way, it wasn't until like three years ago I, I found out that he did the music for Home Alone. Oh, I was like, yeah. oh my God, I didn't I, I never thought about that. But John Williams was the composer for Home Alone. He did it because he wanted to do a Christmas movie. And he definitely yeah. had like a Christmas melody to that film.
0: Yeah, well and it's it's interesting for for John Williams, especially because his music works very well with home alone because it, it because it is aimed at families the amplified nature of everything works well like it, it it suits everything so whether it's just the the chaos of what's going on when the entire family is there or it's the kind of like kind of like the the cartoonish like almost peter and the wolf inspired stuff when the the wet bandits are getting bludgeoned right. um <laughs> you know it all fits because it, and it's kind of mimicking in in many ways it's home alone is is kind of aping die hard like it it like that's not a new observation like it just is it's kid die hard in a lot of ways but that's part of why die hard like is different it, die hard is different because the music to it is just as big and bombastic as the rest as the rest of everything else
1: i also don't think um this score is recreated in any other film i can think of for him um i don't hear hints of star wars i don't hear hints of indiana jones or 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 superman or et or the empire the empire strikes back or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or you know anything else john has ever done it's it's, it's very unique to this film i think
0: i i, compl- I completely agree and uh it is it's funny that that uh, you brought up that uh john is not gonna be happy about this uh, particular dance which takes up like at least half of these five minutes and it's so timid and tame <laughs> compared to, like, I'm not sure what your uh, what your high school dances were like, but they were a lot more intimate.
1: Than I mean, there was a lot of bumping and grinding. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's what I mean. He's like, like he's basically calling her a harlot. He's like, you dance very familiarly with him. It's like they maybe touched hands. Like that, that's about it. They they are definitely uh well, Dracula wouldn't be leaving room for
1: Jesus, but they seem close to that. Yeah, but let's face it, he's not dancing quite like Chris Sarandon would in Fright Night.
0: Yes, not like or Regime like
1: Or his sister, Regine, in Fright Night Part yes. 2, or yes. the Countess in our other film that we have covered extensively, What's uh, Bitten.
0: Yes, also, also true. And I did want to go back just a little bit, and it's one thing because after Mina's fainting spell, and something I find so, it's kind of, it's it's so gutsy, kind of, it's an interesting way, is that Dracula basically explains what he's going to do and then does it. He's like, I'm going to hypnotize her. This is a thing that we do. It's different than yours. Um, it's, she's going to hear and obey. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. Like, There's no real questions about it. I think they mostly think it's like, oh, it's folksy and it, maybe it'll work. Oh, interesting. It actually worked. Hmm, fascinating count. You're an interesting fellow. <laughs> for for anybody else, it's like, well, you're you've already invited a vampire in. You've now Openly allowed him to hypnotize a young woman here. Like, what? What are you guys doing? Like, it's just, it just—it just seems so. Like, I don't know that if I heard the phrase "here and obey," I'd be like, "That's some culty nonsense." I don't—I don't like that at all. Like, that's the—it's the. It's the oh, I think what they call it—they call it like self-selection in cults. Like when people start to like when cult leaders start to use like really oppressive language or have like. Have you seen the vow at all? The HBO series.
1: No, what's that about?
0: So you know how that uh, act that actress from Smallville was involved in a sex cult? Oh, is
1: that what that show is about? That's
0: what it's all about. Yeah, and, and so it's basically the inner working. It's like so it's a lot of former members talking about their time in there and trying to get it taken down. It's this group called Nexium, and this this lead guy. And so, for instance, and he he models himself, and it's all like about self improvement. And then of course it turns into be something more sinister. But the w- the way that they talk and and even just like he has like all these for for a quick recap basically the vow is about the uh basically what eventually devolved into a sex cult called nexium and the leader they have them all call him vanguard Uh and so it's like at what point would you be in a meeting and someone's like by the way you call me vanguard i'd be like nope bye like (laughs) that's so hearing somebody be like i'm gonna tell her to hear and obey me and be like no no get get away from her what are you doing (laughs) so that's at least my take i i wouldn't i wouldn't sit for that
1: I still don't understand why Chloe, like uh, or uh, uh, Allison Mack, got herself involved in that. I mean, I, I listen to Michael Rosenbaum's pos- podcast as much as I can, and he has brought it up with every one of his co-hosts, the co-stars from Smallville, because he's had to. I mean, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, what's even what's even, I don't know, if this is even funnier or worse. Him and Art Hent actor do a podcast together now with a rewatch Smallville, which oh my god. That podcast is going to go on for a while, then because small had yeah. ten seasons. Yeah, we're yeah
0: we're talking like uh, back when it was it was it the WB still or whatever?
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> or the yeah. beginnings of the CW. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's in the thing. I think is interesting. I think the series, the vow, of the series does a good job of just saying like, okay, like this is this this is how it shows like this is why people got in, and especially because you're hearing it straight from people, and then mm-hmm. how they got involved. And more often than not, like for her in particular, it just seems it seems like she was young, was just looking for direction and seemingly found it within this group and then just never questioned anything moving forward. So um, that that seems to be what it is. Like once it gets its hooks in, then it is. I, I think there's a good phrase out there that says you may not have found it, but there's a cult that can pull in anybody basically there's a cult for everyone it's just it's just a matter of which ones exist so for you if like for you if it was just a, like oh hey this is our all women cult. uh we have men who like work for us and they're we're all vampires by the way uh, <laughs> and you get to have sex with us um but it's fine you know <laughs> so like you're like okay maybe
1: maybe i'll come see what
0: this group's all about i don't know
1: since the last time I recorded, I watched a movie which I didn't realize is the 30th anniversary of this film that I watched called Dave, uh, which stars Kevin Kline, Sigourney Weaver, and Frank Langella. And Frank Langella is one of the people that helps replace the uh, comatose president of the United States with this uh, guy named Dave who looks j- exactly like him. And oh, yeah. Frank is fantastic in the movie as, like, you know, he's very, like, stoic and... And rigid and then he just gets really scary sometimes when he's delivering his dialogue to Dave who's like, I put you in this position, I can make sure you like disappear.
0: Yeah, I mean the whole the whole cast does a great job. I believe Ivan Reitman, uh the same guy who directed Ghostbusters, directed that movie. And right. uh Yes he yep. did Yeah, he did. Yes. And then because you yeah. also get
1: like little Ghostbuster uh cameos by like Amy Potts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Annie Potts, Annie Potts.
0: Yeah. Well and then and of course, you can't really miss with if you cast Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline as your leads. That'll
1: that'll do well. Correct. <laughs> and also, the other thing I wanted to point out is that uh, since the last time we recorded, uh, Frank Langella turned eighty five years old on January first this year. He's still with us, so congratulations to him for a yeah. pretty milestone birthday. So hopefully, we get another. You know, many years out of him. He's I I don't know what he's doing these days, but um, the last thing I watched him in was uh, The Americans. He was a on again, off again character on that show.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's still a good presence. Um, I can just re- got reminded for because uh, both his name is Frank, but also just because it's come up. There's also an independent movie that I really liked. It's called Robot and Frank.
1: Oh my god, and that is fantastic. That also that's stars, a great movie, uh, right? His co-star from Superman Returns. Yeah. Yeah, so James, that's, uh, uh, that's James. Uh, uh, song The Hedgehog's James Marsden. Yeah. There, yep.
0: And it's all about like an <laughs> uh, an aging thief who's uh, having problems with memory loss is given like a self like a home help robot who he whom he trains to be a thief because that's what he wants to do. <laughs> it's Did a, you like it's the great. big
1: twist? You find out about one of the other characters in the movie. I don't want to give it away for anyone who hasn't seen it.
0: Oh yeah, I thought I thought it worked.
1: Yeah. His connection to somebody else in that film, and you're like. Yeah,
0: I thought it worked really oh. well. That just
1: broke my heart.
0: Devastating, but it works really well.
1: It does. It does. It is a great little fun movie. Um, I yeah. couldn't wait to watch it when it came out. And then when it did, I was like, this, this is brilliant. And again, it was just yeah. funny to see Frank reunited with James because he was his uncle and nephew in superman returns he was yes. the man dating lois yes. lane while superman was away
0: i always like there's always a moment where i forget that that movie happened <laughs> yeah
1: frank's portrayal of perry white is not the best of the perry whites in my opinion in that movie
0: yeah i mean most unfortunately most of the characters are and this goes for everybody it's not just him are most of them are banking on the previous prior knowledge of the characters more than anything else that's what right. most of that movie is doing Right, but, uh, but
1: uh, Brendan Routh got a good career out of it. I mean, he went on to play the Atom for many years in the, in the Arrowverse, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: and Yeah, so that's, yeah, and part of the reason why we're talking so much about the cast and everything is because there's nothing really, that there's nothing that much that happens in this scene. No, we have Lucy goes to bed dance.
1: with Mina, and then um, she goes wandering for something, which we don't get to in these minutes.
0: Yep. In so that. our
1: minutes literally end with uh, the with with the uh, me and Lucy going to bed because they sleep together but not intimately and then that's Lucy goes looking for something who knows yep we'll find out in the, ex- in the next episode and let's face it Franklin Jela is really the only big person in this scene I mean yes we have Donald Pleasant so we can talk about Halloween till we're blue in the face as well as like you know the Great Escape what was that the Great Escape. The escape or um uh hit uh james bond or one. yeah um prince of darkness <laughs> but, but yeah uh, he's not like an
0: integral part of the, these particular five
1: minutes no and uh and uh we don't have uh Lawrence olivier in these minutes either by the way do you know what the other two movies that came out this year when this movie was in theaters i don't think we've talked about this that were vampire related
0: vampire no i don't actually not off the top of my head
1: love at first bite oh <laughs> okay and Nosferatu the Vampire.
0: Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's even shown as uh, that's the one of the many collaborations between Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog. So. Yes,
1: Werner Herzog, for anyone who's not familiar with who he is, go watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: is. The, the, he's also the. I mean, he's a famous director. He's also he's also great if you just slot him in for a guest spot on any sort of uh, um, movie or anything like that. He seems to be game for whatever the hell yeah um, but
1: it was the, it, a lot of people a lot of people were shocked to see Berger Herzog on the Mandalorian
0: <laughs> i think they they were especially shocked because they like they were t- asking him like because he's not known as a sentimental man like if you know his filmography at all, you know that he's if anything, he mostly focuses on like basically man's inability to to beat nature. that's half of what he he talks about especially in his documentary films. Um, but it was so interesting like they asked him like oh what was it like being with the baby Yoda he goes it was a joy to see the baby Yoda <laughs> like he loved it it's such a, it's so weird in that big German accent where to the point where Ken Burns literally uses this man to speak for like Joseph Goebbels in documentaries <laughs> so like <laughs> you're just talking about oh it was a wonderful day on set to see the Yoda
1: <laughs> that's too funny It's one of my favorite things. I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's a delight to, uh, to work with. Um, It was, it was just one of those things that when people said, Oh my God, it's Bernard Herzog. And I was like, "Uh, I have to go look up who he is. Oh my God. Wow, yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll, I don't know. Maybe one day in the future we'll cover Nosferatu the Vampire. It's a lot easier to cover, I think, as a podcast like this than the silent film. There's more yes. substance to cover, let's just face yes. it. Yes. It the last thing. Yep. I, I don't know how we would do the silent film. It's just, I just, I don't think I can break it down like that.
0: Max Shrek is a ape to the camera again. That's it. I, mean, I
1: would do Shadow of the Vampire. <laughs>
0: Shadow of the Vampire is good, yeah. Well, also, actually, this is this is actually good timing. Uh, the the one I'm excited for is uh the upcoming movie with Nicolas Cage's Dracula, which is Renfield.
1: Yes, told from the perspective of Renfield, but not the novel as much as I thought it was gonna be.
0: Yeah, so this I'm, I'm seems interested. To be a
1: modern day, uh, funny film.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, Nick Nick Cage is in his uh, self aware period, and I'm all here for it.
1: Yes, definitely. I'm sure it will do I hope it does extremely well because Nicolas Cage has been on a rise over the last few years, so and uh his movie last year it was not a box office success, but it was still a movie people watched and a lot of people liked.
0: I so, love that movie. It's so yeah. good. So but silly.
1: uh that's all the minutes that's all the notes I have here for these five minutes. We got more to talk about in the next five minutes in the next episode. Uh, Scott, do you have anything else?
0: Uh, no, nothing at the moment. Uh, you can find us on t- on Twitter and Facebook as the Vampire Minute, and then I'm on Twitter as Scott C. Danielson if you like more movie analysis and such.
1: And you can find me on uh, Radio Horror, the weekly horror radio show I do in Worcester, Massachusetts. Or you could also uh, find me on the Vlada a Dracula Tale page, which is uh, where we. Gender uh, swapped the cast of Dracula, and I am selling copies of the graphic novel, the comic book tie into it, Chronicles of the dam and of Tales of the dam just came out this late uh, last year. So that is the new book, anthology book, tied the whole thing together. And we'll be back in uh, another week or two for another five minutes of Dracula 79 here on the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast. <laughs>